Good, amen. All right, well, we're going to spend a little bit of time in the Word of God, and then we're going to go back to a little more prayer today. And just to finish things off, um, just several practical things I'd like to mention to you today and just uh, bring up first and foremost, I want to say welcome to all of our first-time guests. We know there's a number of people who have been here for the dedication, so welcome. It was so We're honored to have you join us. We know there's other people that maybe this is your first time here at TCC. You found us online. A friend invited you. And so we just want to say welcome and thank you for joining us. Uh, you could be many places right now. You've chosen to be here. That means a lot to us. So here's what we want to ask. When you leave service today, you're going to head out that back door. Across the lobby, there's a Connect Center. And at the Connect Center, we have a team member who would love to meet you. They would just love to get to know you a little better, uh, answer any questions you have, find out if there's anything we can do for you to help you or serve you, and also give you a, uh, with just a little gift we want to give you to say thank you for joining us. Nothing huge, but just something from our hearts to say thank you for coming and joining us. No strings attached. So if you'd go there after service, we would really appreciate it, and we would be thankful for that. Uh, we also want to acknowledge our weekly tithes and offerings. We're so thankful here at Toronto State Church. We exist um, because people give and because people sow. And that's what God has called. That's the way he's built the kingdom. God blesses us and then we can be a blessing. But we are very, very thankful for all of you who give and who sow. Uh, we really had an amazing 2023. 2023 was incredible on the giving front on that level. Uh, and 2024 has been off to an incredible start as well. And so we just want to thank you guys for your ongoing giving, your ongoing generosity. You know, I'm thankful for all God's done. But, I mean, we'll talk more about it next week in Launch Sunday. But I've just got huge faith for 2024. And I've got huge faith for what God is going to do and what God wants to do in 2024. And part of it, it's going to be, there's more. Like, we're thankful he's done. There's more that he wants to do. There's more finances that he wants to release. There's more that he wants to bring forward. And so I really want to encourage you this year, let's continue to be faithful in our giving. Let's continue to be faithful in going after God. Let's continue to be faithful in pressing in in this area. And so I really encourage you in that. And I want to encourage you, if you are in this place and you have not yet taken that step of faith, you, you've not taken that step of faith into tithing and giving and being generous. I really want to encourage you, step out in 2024 and watch what God does. I know there's all kinds of reasons not to, especially nowadays. There's all kinds of challenges, but this is about trusting God and about putting even our financial lives into God's hands. And you never walk on water if you stay in the boat. And so if you never step out and watch what God does, you'll never know. And so I really want to encourage you this year, if that's you, take that step of faith and watch what God does. And so the giving information is up on the screen behind you. If you have any questions, you can let us know. And then several things I just want to mention to remind you guys of, and then we're going to read the word and jump right into things. First and foremost, we're really excited about the launch of Wild Pioneer. This is a creative movement out of Toronto City Church that's going to uh, make an incredible impact. And so we're, we're, we, our initial cap, we're just about sold out but we've decided to expand it and to involve some more people. But we need you to register by this coming Wednesday. Everybody say this Wednesday. Now I know there's always people who go, well, you know, I forgot or whatever. We need you. It's gonna really bless our team to get all the registrations in by Wednesday. So make sure you register by Wednesday. We're also excited this week. It's our last week of Altered. And so we are gonna be continuing. We're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so we're gonna continue. We're back here tonight at 6 p.m. for our last revival night. We're gathering this coming Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. for our last 6 a.m. prayer of this block of things. And then we're gathering this coming Friday for kind of a closed, just united prayer time and worship at 7.30. And so we really want to invite you. I know many of us are participating in this. Let's really prioritize coming together this week and especially Friday. Let's gather Friday and close off just with an incredible time. That'll be at 7.30. And then a couple other things I wanted to make sure I threw in here. This coming Thursday, I'm actually hosting a webinar called Building or Developing F8 Life Goals. So this is gonna be an hour webinar, it's no charge, but over the years, I haven't actually, I don't think I've done anything on it for the last year or two, but I developed, a, a, just pulling from different things, an approach to doing life planning and to setting godly goals in your life. So it's amazing, we're in these times of fasting and prayer, uh, a lot of times God's talking to us about our life. He's talking to us. And we want to be disciples of Jesus who live on purpose. We want to be intentional. And so this is just a simple format for looking at your life and prayerfully planning what God can do in 2024. And it's built around your faith, your family, your finances, your future, the field God's called you to, your fitness, 
uh, your, your friendships, your fun. So it's all these different things. So it's just gonna be a, a kind of a teaching time to show you how to do this. So it's a Zoom call, just register online. We'll send you the link and we'd love to see it on Thursday. We're also, next week is launch Sunday. So we're gonna be talking about a lot of things that are happening in the new year. But I did wanna put a pop this week in for Alpha. So we're very excited about relaunching the Alpha course. We've got an amazing team that has been training and preparing. And we're gonna be starting on Monday, February the 5th. Now Alpha, if you're not familiar with this, is a course that's literally gone around the world. And it's an amazing opportunity to explore the Christian faith and to learn more about what it's all about. You don't come in and just have some telling you this is what you're supposed to believe. We talk about what the Bible says, we talk about what God says, and then you get to talk about it. You get to share what you think and what you feel about it. And so this is an amazing course. If you're kind of checking out Christianity, you're not sure. It's also an amazing opportunity if you're brand new to the faith and you just would like to better understand what do we believe as Christians, why do we believe it? And so you come in for a meal, there's gonna be a great meal. Then we watch a teaching. And then we have table talks and there's opportunity to talk and to share. And so I really want to encourage you in this. It's an amazing opportunity, especially to invite someone. Maybe you have somebody in your life who's kind of exploring Christianity. They're a little skeptical. They're not sure. Maybe they have questions. This would be an amazing thing to invite them to. And so you can let them know about it. We're really excited. This is one of the things we're going to start doing regularly as a church. And, and even bring them. You know, sometimes if you tell them, well, they go to this thing at my church, and they may not, but if you say, listen, come with me, and you prepare to make the commitment to come over those weeks, bring them along so that they can learn more. And it's amazing how God works during these times. So let's be praying for the launch of Alpha, but I also want to invite you, if you know somebody or you yourself want to participate, please sign up. You can get there online. And then last but not least, just a reminder, on Sunday, February the 4th, we are going to be having our first fruits offering. And so this is something we do every year, and it's where we come out of our time of fasting and prayer, and then we pray and ask God, God, what's a special offering I can give to sow into what you're doing in 2024? And so we're not doing any kind of fundraising techniques around it or anything like that. We're just saying pray and then obey God and whatever God tells you to do. So we do want to mention that. But let's pray ourselves, and we're going to jump into the message for a little bit, and then I'd like to get back to finish a little bit of prayer and just God speaking to us. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the opportunity we have to be here. God, I thank you for every person that's here live. I thank you for every person that's here online. Father, we thank you for the dedication we were able to just to witness and be part of, God. And, uh, and for Memphis, God, and what you're going to do through his life. And Father, we just pray even now as we go to your word, Father. Lord, I pray that we will hear what you are saying to us. God, our hearts will be open to receive and God, we will not just be hearers, but we will be doers. And so we love you so much, Lord. We thank you for all this today. In Jesus' name, and everyone agreed, said, amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Arnold. And you know, I'll be getting you back pretty soon, but appreciate it. So uh, let's go in the Bible. Let's go First Chronicles 22, 17 to 19. This is where we're going to start. Uh, this is uh, one of our core texts, I could say, or really our core texts for this season. Just to catch you up to speed, because you know, I know there's some people here today, and this is your first Sunday with us, but we've been in a special time as a church family. Uh, we started the first Sunday of January, and it was the 21 days of prayer and fasting, and really setting a time, aside time to seek God. And this was really the core scripture that we started with. And it says this, David also commanded all the leaders of Israel to help Solomon his son, saying, is not the Lord your God with you? And has he not given you peace on every side? For he has delivered the inhabitants of the land into my hand, and the land is subdued before the Lord and his people. Now set your mind and heart to seek the Lord your God. Everybody say that with me. Say, say now set your mind and heart to seek the Lord your God. Arise and build the sanctuary of the Lord God so that the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy vessels of God may be brought into a house built for the name of the Lord. So again, I want to start by putting that focus there on verse 19. Now set your mind and heart to seek the Lord your God. Because that's what we've been doing for the last couple of weeks. We're now two weeks in. You know, many of us have been engaging in different ways. Many of us are fasting, laying different things down, seeking God. We've come two weeks. We got one to go. In Jesus' name. I know some of us are excited about that. Uh, but really this heart and this time has been about setting our mind, setting our heart to seek the Lord our God. 
I say, is that the fire alarm? No, it's not a fire alarm. It's somebody's alarm on their phone. Something important just happened. So, <laughs> is that? I actually don't even know what that is. Oh, we're going to check on it. All right. I'll just keep preaching, and we'll figure out what's going on on the, on the sound here. Uh, and so we see here, we have, we've had an amazing couple weeks of setting our mind and heart to seek God. Amazing things are happening. I've been hearing some really cool testimonies. I've been hearing different things that people are sharing that's happening in their life. But I also want to remind you, as I said last week, don't just focus. Like, I'm thankful for all the good things that are happening right now. Let's be thankful for those. Let's keep leaning into those. But also let's remember the power of the seeds that we're sowing. As much as I'm excited about what God's doing right now, I'm more, even more excited about the seeds that are being sown through our obedience. Because you know, sometimes when you're fasting and praying, some days you're not feeling anything except hungry. You're not feeling anything except annoyed or you're just, things are going on, life's happening. But it's remembering in doing this in my faithfulness and obedience, I am sowing seeds. And God is gonna bring a harvest for the seeds that we have sown. And so even this week, I want to encourage you, especially maybe you got a little tired, a little weary, let's keep leaning in. Let's keep sowing the seeds. Let's keep believing God for what he wants to do. Come on, someone tell your neighbor, keep sowing the seed. And so some amazing we're sowing these seeds. And last week, I was taking some time to encourage us regarding allowing God to work in our hearts. So if you missed that, you could catch it definitely online on YouTube. But we've been talking about God doing heart work. And as I was praying where to go this week, because I've been fasting and I've been praying, and God has been doing a lot of work in my heart. God's been speaking to me a lot of different things. And, and, and so there's some things he was talking to me about, and I got a sense for some of them. I wanted to share them with us as a church family, because I felt like it was for more than just me. I want to talk to you about some heart attitudes and postures that I believe God is working in. So it's one thing to say, okay, let God work in your heart. But the question becomes, okay, but what kind of things do we want to let him do in our heart? What are some of the areas that God would want to work in our heart? And so I want you to turn with me today to Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to spend some time starting in the Sermon on the Mount. This was the longest recorded sermon we have of Jesus. If you want to hear Jesus preach, I mean, we won't be able to physically hear him, but this is an opportunity to hear him preach. This is a continuous message that he preached and that he spoke. And so let's read in 5, 1 to 11, because I want to take some time here today just to, to, to work on to, to focus on some areas that God can work in our heart. Matthew 5, verse 1, it says, And seeing the crowds, he went up in the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, one of the things God's been talking to me about over the last couple of weeks as we've been going through this time together is he's really been talking to me about discipleship. And I've been receiving just a fresh, a fresh word, a fresh challenge in my heart regarding being a disciple or being a disciplined follower of Jesus. In addition to that, it's not just being a disciple, but also making disciples and just our call that God's given us to go and make disciples of all nations. And so there's a lot of things that God's doing around that right now. I believe many of us, God is speaking to us even during this time about upping some disciplines in our life and some things that we're doing, some things we've been doing during this time. The Lord's going to tell you, no, I need you to continue that. I need you to embrace some new norms because he's growing us as disciples. But when we talk about being disciples, it's very important to understand this Sermon on the Mount is very central to discipleship. The Sermon on the Mount is very central to the way Jesus has called us to live. I mean, really, if you go through it, it's about three chapters, and this whole message is talking to us, what does life look like when we're following Jesus? In its essence, to be a disciple is to be a follower of Christ. So then what does that look like? What way is he going to walk that he says, follow my way? Because it's one thing to say, okay, I follow Jesus, but where is Jesus going? 
How is he saying that we need to live our lives? That's what the journey of discipleship is. And the Sermon on the Mount is so central to talking to us about what does this life actually look like? You know, one of the dangers that most of us face, and we have to watch out for this, is we are too familiar with the scriptures. And what I mean by that is we get so used, especially things like this. Most of us were probably familiar with this passage in some way or another. But the danger becomes because we're familiar with it, because we're used to it, we don't actually really hear it and apply it. We go, oh yeah, yeah, I know that scripture. I heard a guy say something recently, it stuck with me. He said, I wanna, I wanna live my life for God like I'm on a desert island. Someone gives me a Bible, I see it for the first time, I open it and I read it and I do it. Because so often subconsciously, there's all these things in the Bible that we subconsciously go, yeah, but you don't really need to do that. And that doesn't really matter. And there's all these things, but we need to get back to saying, no, what's God saying to do? And how do we live this out? And that's really the heart of discipleship. And so I want to I take some time and actually, all of these are good. And all of these are so important for 2024. But I want to just emphasize three. And I want to talk about three things that I know God's been working in my heart about. And I feel like as I share today that he wants to work in all of our hearts in these areas. But first, let's start with this word blessed. Because if there is a common denominator or a very strong theme within this passage, it is this word blessed. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek and so forth. He keeps saying blessed, blessed. So what does it mean to be blessed? I think that's an amazing place to start in this passage. What does it actually mean? Because blessed again is one of those words that we can hear a lot in church, we get used to saying, and we don't really understand the depth of what it's meaning. But I was trying to think how to describe it because there's so many Bible words like blessed that have so much depth to them. I saw something recently on uh, social media. I don't know if some of you have seen it. I, I actually forget even where it is in the world, but it's, it's more tropical. But there's literally this underwater waterfall in the ocean. And, and, and you can't see it from the level, but if you get up high, you know, kind of a drone shot or a plane that's flying over, literally you can see, it's like you kind of see there's some islands and you see kind of more of the shallow waters and then there's just this deep chasm and you can literally see water rushing down into it. And it's like, you, you don't know how deep that goes. There's so much of the word of God that's like that. We get so surface level with it, but there's so much depth. And this word blessed is like that. What does to be blessed mean? Well, the Strong's uh, you know, Bible dictionary defines the word as this in the original language, supremely blessed, by extension, uh, fortunate, well-off, blessed, happy. There's all these elements of what does it mean to be blessed? Because Jesus is talking about the life of following him. He's telling this is the life when you're blessed. Uh, doing a little more digging, I like Dr. Spiro's uh, Zodiates, complete word, uh, complete word study dictionary. So this is a Bible study, Bible scholar. He said this, blessed is possessing the favor of God. Everybody say favor. Again, remember, this is it's this massive word. I mean, when I kind of grew up, I grew up in Christian circles where blessed was very much tied to physical possessions. Now, that can be part of a blessing from God. I was just saying, you know, God blessed us with a new home this past year. And I was literally this morning just doing a couple of things. I said, man, God, thank you for this blessing because it's such a blessing from God. So it can be, but there's so much more depth to it. It literally says it's the favor of God. And he says, and that state of being marked by the fullness from God. So when you're blessed, not only are you walking in God's favor, but you're living out and experiencing God's fullness. What is that even to say the fullness of God? And yet that's something the Bible speaks to us of and something that we can grow. So you see how deep and how big this thing goes very quickly. That's what it means to be blessed. And Jesus is saying, listen, I've called you to be blessed. There's so much in the scripture about blessing. He blesses us. He calls us to be a blessing. But then he says, but here's some things in your life that I want you to embrace so you can walk in the blessing that I have. So you can walk in my favor and my fullness. So you can walk the way I've called you to. Here's, here's what I want to talk about, some things for be blessed. So let's start with verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Family, I want to encourage you this afternoon. Again, whether you're in person, whether you're joining us online. I believe in 2024, God is calling each one of us to go to a deeper place of being poor in spirit. 
That each one of us would embrace in a new way this concept of being poor in spirit. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? See, because it's not talking about poverty. Poverty is under the curse of the law. There was no poverty before sin came. Poverty came after sin. Jesus came to deal with and reverse all of the effects of sin. That was his finished work on the cross. And part of what he did was broke the power of poverty. Now, it doesn't mean you'll never experience poverty if you're a believer. But what you can do is through God's power and God's favor and God's fullness and through God's wisdom, you can break the back of poverty and see a shift for your family and for your generation. So we know that with poverty, but then Jesus is still here saying you're blessed when you're poor in spirit. So what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Well, to be poor in spirit, I'll say it this way. There's many ways you could say it, but is to constantly recognize our need of God. That's what being poor in spirit is. It's constantly recognizing our need of him. Constantly recognizing that we need him in our lives. Do you and I, do we know how much we need God? Now, don't answer me too quickly. Because I know the right answer is yes, of course we do. But when you look at how often our lives, our lives don't reflect someone who realizes, I need God every day. I need him. See, it's a little bit, it's interesting. In the kingdom and in faith, you're always living in what I'll call tensions of truth. We've talked about this. There's ditches on both sides of the road. You need a proper balance of both to stay on the path of life. And so often we get ourselves in trouble because we get one truth, but we move, miss the tension of truth that keeps us centered. Let me give you an example. We know about the love of God. Incredible truth. We need it. Every one of us needs to experience the love of the Father on a regular basis. His love is so powerful. It's so amazing. And that's good. We need that. A hundred, a hundred percent. But we also need the fear of the Lord. And the Bible is very clear about the importance of the fear of God. This is an awe and a reverence and a respect for God. This is an understanding that he's not my homeboy. He's not a genie in the sky that just gives me what I want. He's the creator of the universe and I will honor him and I will worship him and I obey him. But he's also my father who loves me with an everlasting love. You see what I'm saying? Both are important and some people get off on this side and lose sight of the greatness of God. Other people get off on this side and they have no context of God's love for them. But God says, no, I want you on the path of life. Understand me in both ways. And there's so many things about this, right? God wants us to prosper, but God wants us not to love money and to not be into possessions and these things, but to have a heart for his kingdom. You can see people go off on both sides. What you want to learn to do is get the tension of truth and stay in the middle. And so in that, we see here with this whole element where we're not talking about a lack mindset. We're not talking about waking up and going in the morning, oh God, please be with me today, God. God, I need you today. Oh my God, I hope the Lord's with me. I feel like he's not with me. That's not being poor in spirit. Because the Bible says he never leaves you, he never forsakes you, he's as close as the mention of his name, that you can't go anywhere. Even if you went to the depths of Sheol, he's still there. You can't get away from him. So you have that confidence, but in the middle of it, you still have this awareness that without you, I'm nothing. Now, I'm not without you. But without you, I'm nothing because what happens so often, and I definitely have this happen to me, guys, is we can become prideful and self-righteous so quickly where we start to think this is because of me. I got this. Now, most of us will not come out and admit it because we know better. And sometimes it's, it's subconscious more than conscious. But I'll tell you, it shows up. If I do devotions like once a week, come to church 1.8 times a month, don't gather with other believers, don't practice discipleship, my actions are saying, God, I don't really need you. My actions are saying, I'm good enough in myself. But see, when I'm poor in spirit, it's like, I'm, I know he's given me a great and precious promises. He's with me. He's for me. But I'm also just, there's like this, this, this understanding in my heart that all I have is because of you. And, and in 2024, I believe God is calling us to embrace this in a greater dimension, a greater way. Let's look at Revelations 3, 14 to 19. In Revelation 3, 14, I says this, and to the angel of the church of Laodicea, right? 
The words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, watch this, you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I mean, Jesus is just going in right now. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Now, there's so much from this passage. I just, I want to pull this. Notice right at the heart of the issue with them. They said, we are rich. We are prospered. We need nothing. They didn't say, God, you've given us this. You've given us that. You are our sustainer. They put, and, and, and in that, and so, now these gentlemen said, well, am I supposed to walk around saying I'm wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked? You know, it's kind of popular nowadays doing like affirmations, you know, <laughs> get up in the morning, do your affirmations, which is good, you know, so come on, kids, let's say it today. I'm wretched. We're wretched. I'm pitiable. I'm pitiable. We're poor, blind, and naked. No, I'm wearing my clothes, dad. You know, like, it's like, so, so what's he talking about? What he's talking about is this is your state without Christ. So know who you are in Christ, but never forget who you were without him. Like never forget, if, if I get confident and I think I got this and I start to, my head starts to get a little big and I've got to turn sideways to fit through the church doors. Because No, it's remembering I, I have nothing without him. When I'm poor in spirit, I am not saying I'm lacking. It's just I'm always remembering who, 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 has, the, who has the debit card and the credit card and the provision and everything else. You know, it's kind of like the kid who lives in his parents' house, he got nothing, he bought nothing, he paid for nothing, but he's got this attitude like, oh, I'm better than you, look how much money. It's not your money, it's your parents' money. I mean, obviously it's like, well, it's our family and et cetera, but sometimes, you know what I mean? It's that hard attitude where we have gratefulness and thankfulness. This all comes from being poor in the spirit. When I go days without reading my word, when I'm not regularly in prayer, when my worship is cold and distant, when I'm not regularly checking my heart before God, I'm not being poor in spirit. Because when I'm poor in spirit, I'm recognizing every day I need you. You know, guys, remember that song that came out years ago? I remember talking about this is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe, your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread. This is my daily bread, your very word spoken to me. You know, it's almost like this is the air I breathe. Not this is my, you know, fire insurance policy so I don't go to hell and you know I just kind of or if everything gets really bad then I'll pray and that's not being poor in spirit poor in spirit saying God I need you I don't know why I keep going back to old songs today this one really goes back I need thee Lord I need thee every hour I need thee you know I, I need thee now it says bless me now my savior and there's an element where I am blessed because I have my Savior, but also he can pour more blessing. I come to thee. But see, sometimes don't, don't negate the wisdom that comes from generations of following God. There's doctrine, which is so important, but there's also people who got some scars on their back, some nicks in their shield. They've walked with Jesus. There's just some things they understand. There's some things generations understood that sometimes we lose sight of. And we always say, oh, our generation, this, uh, let's, let's go with what God's doing, but let's also learn from the heritage that comes to us. One more to read here on this, 2 Chronicles 26, 1 to 16. And all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah, after the king slept with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jecoliah of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord according to all his father Amaziah had done. He set himself to seek the Lord. So watch this. Keep that in your mind. He set himself to seek the Lord in the days of Zechariah, 
who instructed him in the fear of the Lord. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. He went out and made war against the Philistines and broke through the wall of Gath and the wall of Jabna and the wall of Ashdod. And he built cities in the territory of Ashdod and everywhere else among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians who lived in Grabal and against the Mennonites. The Ammonites paid tribute to Uzziah and his fame spread even to the border of Egypt for he became very strong. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the angle and he fortified them. And he built towers in the wilderness and cut out many cisterns for he had large herds, both in the Shepelah and the plain. And he had farmers and vine dressers in the hills and the fertile lands for he loved the soil. Moreover, Uzziah had an army of soldiers fit for war and divisions according to the numbers and the muster made by Jaliel, the secretary, and Messiah, the officer under the direction of Hananiah, one of the king's commanders. The whole number of the heads of the father's household of mighty men of valor was 2,600. Under their command was an army of 307,500 who could make war with mighty power to help the king against his enemy. And Uzziah prepared for all the army shields, spears, helmets, coats of mail, bows, and stones for slinging. In Jerusalem, he made great machines invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and great stones. And his fame spread far, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. Watch this. He was marvelously helped till he was strong. Right? It was, it was the Lord who was making him to prosper. But watch this. Verse 16. But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. For he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Guys, I don't but you, but that shakes me up. Because if you look at this guy's life and you look, you would say, wow, this is, this is growth. This is revival. This is God's blessing. This is God's favor. Look at all he accomplished. I mean, the Bible went into great detail. It was unusual all that was accomplished to his life. And yet his final testimony was not that he was someone who was helped of the Lord and did great. But his final testimony, because he became blessing, he became proud. Because he got more focused on the blessing, lost sight of the blesser. He lost his being poor in spirit. And he began to think, I have made myself great. I have caused this to happen. I am the one here with the gift. And because of that, he was brought down to destruction. Family, let me just finish with this. I believe 2024 is going to be a year of some real amazing blessing. I believe it's going to be a year of some prayers being answered. I believe some things you guys have been believing for. I'm believing for spouses, houses, business breakthroughs, God opening doors, all kinds of incredible. But can we commit ourselves here at the beginning of 2024 that no matter how much God does, we will never lose being poor in spirit. We will never think we've accomplished this. We've made this happen. We are the ones who caused this to come to pass, but we always remember who the source is. Come on, someone tell your neighbor, remember who helps you. We're going to remember who helped us in 2024. We're going to be poor in spirit. Let's keep looking here. Verse 4 says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. We're not going to break this one down too much. If I go through all of them, we'll be here till like 4 o'clock. And it says to be mourned. What does it mean though to mourn? Let me say this. To mourn is to be desperate enough to be extreme in pursuing breakthrough for our heart, ministry, church, and justice in our society. See, again, it's this tension of truth. Well, wait, Pastor, doesn't God want us to be joyful? Right? All, 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 all December, we talked about joy. That was our theme. Yeah, he wants us to be joyful. He also wants us to know how to mourn with those who mourn. He also wants us to, we, we, we have this natural tendency to build safe lives where we're insulated from any type of pain, any type of challenge, any type of difficulty. And yet what happens is we live in the middle of a world where there's a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of difficulty. Will we allow our heart, even in the midst of being joyful people filled with Jesus, will we allow our hearts to be touched by the things that are touching God's heart? Will we allow ourselves to mourn? Will we allow ourselves to mourn, and to, but, but also to receive comfort, to receive breakthrough? Five, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We're not going to dive deep on that one either, but I'll say this. To be meek is not weak, but it's to walk in a fasted lifestyle or to have a servant spirit to use our natural strengths and resources to serve others. 
Meekness or humility speaks of using our resources and our authority with the spirit, with a servant spirit to serve others without regard of receiving any gain from them. Meekness is an incredibly beautiful quality of the heart of God. It, it really is humility. But, but remember this, meekness is not weakness. Meekness is humble strength under command. Some people have strength, but they don't know how to keep it under command. They know how to hold it and then release it and, 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 you know, I mean, this isn't particularly poetic, but flex when you need to flex. Right? They, they don't know. They don't know how to. And so God's called us to meekness. Let's look at verse chapter 6, or verse 6, excuse me. This is going to be our second focus point. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. So number one, God's calling us to being poor in spirit. But number two, he's calling us to hunger and thirst for righteousness. We'll be satisfied. How oh, some of you are mad already because I, Pastor, we're fasting. Why are we talking about hunger right now? It's interesting, but it's very ironic and interesting that our, our, our spiritual hunger is, is very much connected to fasting. When we fast in the natural, it actually begins to unlock spiritual hunger. I've got a question for you this afternoon. What are you hungry and thirsty for? No, some of you are like, food, pastor. <laughs> I'm hungry for this. We're in the middle of the past. What do you think I'm hungry for? But I'm talking deeper. I'm talking spiritual. I'm talking on the soul level. Because when we do these seasons of fasting and prayer, especially when we stretch ourselves longer than what is comfortable, quite often God begins to deal with us about the appetites of our heart. The things we turn to instead of him. The things that we have in our lives. Are we hungry and thirsty? Because God has raised up a people who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Some interesting thoughts on hunger. Hunger is one of the most important signs of life. If there is no hunger for a sustained period of time, there will be no life. Hunger is always connected with life. Many believers live in a spiritually intensive care unit. Many churches are ICUs where you're living in a spiritually famished diet, you're not taking time with the Lord, being poor in spirit and seeking him every day. And we come in, we have very little hunger, very little thirst, very little. You know, they say the average Canadian Christian now goes to church somewhere on 1.8 times a month. I mean, it's like a spiritual famine. And there's this whole element of coming together. We're not hungry and thirsty. So you come in, it's like, just keep me alive till next week. Just keep me alive and just get you back to church, try and keep you alive until, no, God's looking for a people who hunger and thirst for righteousness this every day for a hungry and thirsty who have this being poor in spirit and are hungry and thirsty for him. Do we have that hunger for him? Do we have that thirst for him? Or are we in a spiritual ICU? I'm thankful for ICUs. You need an ICU every once in a while. But you're not supposed to live there. It, it, it's interesting. I know this is a parent, and parents you'd all agree with. One of the things I watch for if my kids are sick, you know, one of the things, you're trying to figure out, you know, how, how, what level are we at here? Because I'm sick, I don't want to go to school. It's like, get up, go to school. Pastor Sharon's better than me. I'm, I'm a little bit of a sucker for that. Really, you're not feeling well? Oh, maybe she's like, they're fine. Get up, get your clothes on, go to school. You'll be okay. And they are. It's true. They're, they're fine. And it, she, she, she's got that mom's sense, you know. She, she figures it out pretty quickly. Yeah, as you know, parents, especially moms, you know, kid falls down, starts to cry. You know, your first child, you're like running over there, everything else. By the third child, you're like, okay, let's listen. What kind of cry is it? Is that like a real cry? Is that just a, you know, you get to. uh, But it's interesting because one of the things you look for if someone's really sick is there's no hunger. When you're really sick, you lose your appetite. Your body can't take it. It can't handle it. And yet, why are we okay with not being spiritually hungry? Why does that not set alarm bells off and go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute here. Something's going on here. Why am I hungry for so many other things? Right? I mean, it wasn't entirely fair, but I don't know if any football fans, NFL football fans, and, uh, and uh, the, um, the Bills game got snowed out. Last weekend. And they're calling people to come shovel. And they're going to pay people to come shovel, try to get the stadium ready for the game. Someone posted a meme and said, yeah, if it's the football game, you go shovel so you can watch. If it's church, you just stay home. Obviously, there's some different angles to that. 
but it does challenge us at times. You know, church goes a little long. Oh my gosh, why did pastor preach so long today? We had an appointment at Swiss Chalet or, you know, growing up, that was the church place to be, right? The Christian chicken at Swiss Chalet was where you used to go, right? Some of you are like, what are you talking about? Or it's Pentecostals in the 80s. We used to go to Swiss Chalet, right? And so, so oh my gosh, but the game goes, oh my gosh, what an amazing game. When overtime, it was this, it was, right? Where's our hungers? Where, where is our hunger? Right? Oh, sorry. I, I, I'm going to mess for a second. I just keep messing for a bit. You know, you got tickets, so you make sure you show up on time. But worshiping God. Okay, let's keep going. All right, so it's interesting because to be poor in spirit is to hunger and thirst for righteousness. They're very connected. The more poor in spirit I am, the more I'm cultivating poor in spirit, the more I'm hungry and thirsty for righteousness. The more I hunger and thirst for righteousness, the more I stay on that edge of being poor in spirit. Can we ask God to grow our hunger in this time and in this season? Can we ask God to do it? How, how do we cultivate spiritual hunger? Just a couple quick thoughts. Number one, ask God for it. Now, that's not the deep answer some of you were expecting, but there's so much in the Bible. It says if you, if, if you ask, you'll receive. What if you just started praying every day? God, help me to grow in my spiritual hunger. Help me to grow in what you want to do. Number two, if you want to cultivate spiritual hunger, limit your junk food. Amen. Thank you, Toyin. I appreciate that. I feel, feel the energy right there. Uh, some of you don't want to hear this right now, but limit your spiritual junk food. Come on, remember, you're going out for a nice steak dinner, and I know some of you don't want to talk about food. It's one of my ways I cope with fasting. I think about food. I talk about food I'm going to get later. I mean, Instagram, the algorithms, they just, every time, not on a lot, because I'm doing more of, I kind of ease off when I'm fasting. They're sending me food ads all the time. The algorithms, I'm like, I know you guys. I was just showing Paul today. There was this place, I found this new place, not to, uh, new to me, this week. They're doing like this $15 deal, fried chicken, two wings, french fries, fried chicken sandwich, coleslaw, everything all mixed. I showed Paul. Paul was like, why are you showing me this right now, pastor? I'm like, it's our way of suffering together. And the problem is the deal's only for this weekend. So we're, Paul, we're sacrificing for the kingdom, treasure in heaven. Amen. All right. So right there's, there's. But it's interesting because oh, my grandma used to say this. I don't know if I don't, we really say this anymore, but she said, no, no, you can't eat that right now. You'll spoil your dinner. What was the deal? If you go, you're going out for that nice steak dinner and you stop and grab some chips, grab pop, grab a chocolate bar, grab this, grab that. What happened? You're going to get there to actually the, the, the real, you're not going to have any hunger left. Why? Because you filled yourself with all this junk. How many of us, the reason we don't have more hunger for God is we're filling ourselves with junk all the time. And see, one of the things that happens in these times of fasting and prayer, especially if you lay down some media, lay down some different things, it makes you realize how much you fill yourself with that stuff, and there's just no space left for God. Someone say, get rid of the junk. Number three, really quickly, pursue spiritual health. Remember, if you're healthy, you're hungry. What happens if you hit the weights? Go, go do some exercise. You get even hungrier, don't you? Why? Because your body needs to burn energy. One of the best ways to increase my hunger is to grow in my health in God. It's like the more I experience God, the more I want more, it just, it starts to grow. But when you, I'll tell you this, when, when you haven't eaten for a while, because most of us, we don't understand true hunger. There's a few of us in here, you understand true hunger, but you know, many brothers and sisters around the world, they understand true hunger. Many of us just don't really even get it. But when it's there, it drives you. You know, if I'm a parent and my kids have not eaten for a couple days, I promise you, I'm not thinking about anything else except getting them some food. Even, even more than myself. And so when you start, you're not feeling hungry, but your, your, your spirit was made to digest the things of God. So when you start, you're not feeling a lot, but the more you do it, the more your hunger grows. And then last but not least, and I love this, just taste and see that the Lord is good. Now again, some of you are just like, why are you bringing up these verses when we're fasting, Pastor? But any of you ever had an experience where you got to taste or try a brand new food and it was amazing? See, Paul's just with me on the furrow, Paul's just like, amen. 
it was, I mean, it's just, it's like you never even, you had no idea how good this tasted. And it was just like, man, and you wanted to go back for more. You want to, because that, there's so many things. Sometimes the reason we're not hungry is because there's just very little we've actually experienced in God. There's so much of God that we can taste and see that he is good. But guys, if we never pray, we never read our Bible, we never go to prayer meetings, we show up at church 1.8 times a month, why do we want to, we've already tasted anything. All you know is oatmeal and maybe a little extra this or that. God says, I got so much for you if you just taste and see that I am good. Come on, someone say, taste and see that the Lord is good. Can we ask God to, that we would taste and see in a fresh way? Okay, I'll stop talking about food now, I think. Seven, verse seven says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Again, we're not gonna do a deep dive here, but to have mercy is to treat others with a tender spirit when they fail spiritually or attack, resist, or disappoint us. We are to show them mercy just as we receive God's mercy in our many shortcomings. To show mercy also speaks of being compassionate and seeking to help people who suffer injustice. God wants us to grow in being those who show mercy. But let's get into the last one, and if Arnold wants to come back and join me. Number three, verse eight, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So we talked about being poor in spirit. We talked about hungry and thirsting for righteousness. I believe God wants to do something in our hearts in this time. And then... I want to talk about being pure in heart for a few moments. Because he says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. God's looking for those who are pure in heart. Now, there's the dynamic of this because we understand the power of the gospel, that Jesus comes, he changes our lives, he transforms us, and he brings holiness and purity. But there's this element still of us living it out. And to be pure means to live with a goal of single-minded obedience to Jesus and to resist the defilement that comes from lust, sin, and wickedness. Can I just read you a few verses about this? 1 Timothy 4 verse 12, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. James 4 verse eight, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Hebrews 12, 14, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Strive for holiness without no one will see God. What is he talking about? He says, see God. This is not talking just about going to heaven or being a Christian. It's like I'm following Jesus, but I'm pursuing this purity of heart. I'm pursuing a purity of my heart because that's how I see God. Guys, so often we, again, let's talk about this tension of truth. The Bible is so clear that when you follow Jesus, it's a call to holiness. It's a call to consecration. It's a call that your life should look different. Because I'm with Jesus, there's some things I don't do. There's some things I don't watch. There's some things I don't participate in. And it's not because, well, I'm a Christian and I can't do that. And that's sin. Oh, no. No, it's because I've got a higher calling I'm pursuing right now. I've got something higher and greater that he's called me to. I want to see God in my life. I want to see God in my kid's life. I want to see God in my church. I want to see God manifest and show. And he comes when there's purity of heart. But guys, the reason many of us see and we have a low level of revelation is because we have a low level of holiness and purity in our lives. And this season, I want to call to you. God's calling you to bring it up. The purity of heart. Because it's not about legalism. There was this whole move of holiness. And, and for years, we talked about generations and what they have to teach us. There was an understanding of holiness. But you know, it kind of got off into a ditch in some ways where it got very legalistic. And you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't play sports on Sunday. And it just took all the fun out of life. And most of the rules were for women. And it was just, it got really out there. So a lot of people said, well, we don't want that. So what do we do? Let's run into the other ditch. What's the other ditch? Lawlessness. Watch whatever, do whatever. God loves me, I have grace, it's wonderful. Yeah, you have grace, but you don't have a pure heart. 
Because what you watch and what you listen to and what you participate in, the words of your mouth, all these things, they affect your heart. So, so I can watch that or listen to that, Pastor. It's not going to send me to hell. Yeah, it won't send you to hell, but it sure might make you smell like hell. You know, it, there's this element, guys, of saying, and there's this call, I, I want, God, I want, I want purity in my life. And yeah, I'm not talking about judging anybody. I'm not, this is you and the Lord. And the Holy Spirit begins to convict you. That's really the heart of it. It's not rules. Okay, give me the rules. All right, here's the rule. Listen to Holy Spirit. Look at the word and follow. Let, let's look. Psalm 119, or Psalm 24, 3 and 4. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. Hands speak of your outward actions. Heart speaks of your inward thoughts and your mindsets and the things you're meditating on, what you're thinking about. And it says if you're going to ascend the hill of the Lord, you're going to stand in his holy place. Obviously, we do that through Jesus. But let me promise, Jesus made a way. But you can't follow Jesus and go mess with all this other stuff. I want to ascend the hill of the Lord. Psalm 119.37, we're just about done. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Could God be speaking to us even coming out of this time of fasting and prayer about worthless things that we keep putting in front of our eyes? Things we're participating in, things we're involved in. And God says, listen, I'm calling you to purity of heart. It's not about legalism. It's not about judging anyone. It's not about proving yourself. It's about purity before me. Philippians 4 verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Could today, could we ask God? God, I want to I have that pure heart. Holy Spirit, can, can, I, can I encourage you, to, if you if, can I dare you to pray a dangerous prayer? Say, Holy Spirit, this week, convict me of anything that's contaminating my heart before you. And I say it's dangerous because he'll do it. But there's a lot of things we go, oh, that's not affecting me. That doesn't bother me, Pastor. That's not a big deal. I don't, I don't feel convicted about it. I don't feel the Lord. Well, maybe your heart's just grown so hard to God in that area. And God would want to bring you back. Could we ask the Lord for purity of heart? Let's bow our head and close our eyes. We'll bring this to a close. I was joking in the first service. Uh, I, I past have taught a preaching course. So I enjoy communicating and preaching. And when we do a preaching course, we... You know, the, the proper structure of a message, you have an introduction, and then depending on what type of message it is. So if it's a topical, you have your, your three or four points. If it's exegetical, you work your way through the passage. If it's narrative, you tell the story. And they always have a conclusion. You gotta build your conclusion well. I have no conclusion today. This is my conclusion. We're gonna pray. <laughs> That's it, we're just, let's pray. But can we pray today? And can we ask God, God help me in 2024 to grow and being poor in spirit. Can we pray and say, God, help me to grow in my hunger and thirst for righteousness? Can we pray and say, God, help me to grow in my purity of heart in this year? And so just with our head bowed and eyes closed, I wanna invite you, if you would join me in praying that for 2024. I want you just to hold your hands out like you're receiving something from the Lord. Because here's the th deal, guys. This is not us doing it in our own strength. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that causes us to grow in being poor in spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that causes us to grow in hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit that brings purity. He is the Holy Spirit. So you want to get His help in holiness. And so, Father, just today, as we bring this to a close today, in Jesus' name, every one of us, God, every hand that's raised, you see the hands, you see the hearts connected to those hands. And God, we pray for your continued work in our hearts. God, I pray that we will grow in being poor in spirit. I pray that we will grow, God, in being hungry and thirsty for righteousness. And God, I pray that we will grow in being pure in heart. Holy Spirit, teach us this week. Convict us this week. 
want to follow Jesus. We want to be more like him. So let's just take a moment here before the Lord. Maybe some starts coming up in your heart. Maybe some things that, you know, just God will start speaking to you. It's not going to be this big audible booming voice. Many times it's just these impressions that come or these things that suddenly come to your memory out of the blue and that's God prompting you. Maybe a verse comes to mind because God's speaking to you through his word. But Father, we just thank you today. And I pray especially for this area purity of heart. Do this work in us, Father, in Jesus' name. Purify my heart. Let me be as gold and precious silver. Purify my one desire. My heart's one desire is to be time. Make it our prayer as we finish today. Purify my heart. Cleanse me from my sin. Cleanse me from my sin. And make me holy. And make me holy. Purify my heart. Cleanse me from my sin. Cleanse me from my sin. Deep within. Deep within. Refiner's fire. My heart's one desire is to to do your will. Ready to do your will. One more time, one more time. Ready to do your will. So Father, we just thank you today as we go from this place for purity of heart, for a hunger and thirst for righteousness. God, that we'll embrace being poor in spirit. God, that we'll be meek. God, that we'll mourn. God, that we will, God, endure persecution when it comes. All the stuff that you're talking about, God. But I just thank you for this work. God, I thank you for grace for every person that's fasting. Lord, that we will continue to have that grace to set our heart and mind to seek the Lord. And thank you for your continued work, God. Thank you for all that you're doing today. We love you in Jesus' name. But just with head bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to dismiss and get us out of here in a second. But. 
I just want to make sure I give an opportunity today if there's anyone who's not right with God and you need to be right with God today. The Bible teaches us that God loves us with everlasting love, but we've been separated from that love by sin. Because of sin, we deserve punishment. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Sin brings death. I'm not pointing the finger at you. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about all of us. But there's a free gift of God, which is eternal life. How do we receive that gift? We recognize our need of it. We pray. We turn our back on sin, and we ask God to come into our life and to give us that gift. And so I want to give an opportunity, if there's anyone today, and you say, I need to be right with God. Or maybe you've fallen far away from God. You used to know him, but you fell away. And today you know you need to come back. And so I want us to, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer from the body of your heart. Let's all pray it together. But I want you to pray it from your heart today. Say, Jesus, thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you came for me. Thank you that you died. Thank you that you rose again. Today I turn my back on sin. I commit my life to you. Fill me. Free me. Forgive me. I want to follow you. In Jesus' name. I just head bowed and eyes closed. If anybody and you said I prayed that prayer with you today, and I meant it from my heart, and I prayed that prayer, I just want you to wave really quick. Anybody prayed that prayer today? Because we'd love to pray with you a little more. If there's anybody today. Amen. All right. Well, we are going to bring things to a close today. Thank you so much for being here. First time guests, please remember to go to the Connect table. We'd love to greet you more properly. Remember, we're back here tonight at 6 p.m., and we're excited about that. Then we got altered this week. Wild Pioneer, please make sure you sign up by Wednesday. And then we have that webinar on Thursday for developing F8 Life Goals. We love you. God bless you. If I can have a few of our Connect Group leaders and some of our other leaders and team members just come across the front. As we go today, if you need prayer for something, we have some leaders here who would love to pray with you. They'd love to stand with you, but we love you. Thank you for being here today. Congratulations again. It was an honor to do the dedication. And God bless you guys. Have a wonderful Sunday.